Proverbs chapter 15 tonight. Proverbs chapter 15. And thank you so much for being here on Wednesday night. And um, we uh, are enjoying these studies in the book of Proverbs. And these weeks, and we made it to chapter 15 last week, and we got through verse number 1. Amen? So we stuck our toes into chapter 15, and now we're going to get up uh, ankle deep, maybe knee deep. In uh, Proverbs chapter 15, some great verses in here tonight that uh, I think will be uh, be a help to us and a blessing to us. Proverbs chapter 15, and uh, we'll, we'll read verse 1 and, and, uh, and then go into verse number 2 to begin our teaching. Uh, let me pray again. Father, uh, there's a lot of hurting folks among us tonight. We think especially of uh, Miss Angela and Miss Esther and all of Mitchell's friends, family, loved ones. I'm going to ask you to comfort them in a very special way. And then, Lord, uh, Brother Dave Canby needs your touch. Uh, Lord, uh, Brother Junior, uh, Leonard needs your touch. And there's numbers of others. Miss Edna Casey uh, needs your touch, Lord. And uh, there's some unspoken needs in the church family right now. Very, very heavy hearts among us. And I ask you to help those dear ones. And many others, Lord, physical needs. Bless now at the camp. Bless Brother Dunlop. And Lord, in just a few minutes, he'll be stepping up uh, and delivering the word of God to the workers, the staff, to the children. Give him the power of the Holy Spirit. And... Uh, and use him. And do the same tonight, Lord. Thank you so much for saving Addison. What a victory. Hallelujah. The word of God is so powerful. And so, Lord, use its power tonight in our hearts and lives to make us more like Jesus. In thy name we pray. Amen. A soft answer turneth away wrath. But grievous words stir up anger. You know, it's hard to argue with somebody who won't argue back. <laughs> It is, isn't it? And there's something magical, something wonderful about knowing how to respond to a tense situation. And we said uh, from this verse, we gave this statement, gracious words diffuse situations. Gracious words diffuse situations. And so we'll move right into verse number two now. The tongue of the wise useth knowledge aright or the right way. The tongue of the wise. I hope when we read these verses that you'll read them with me and you'll think about them yourselves. I don't know about you, but I love to read the verses in Proverbs and and try to draw stuff out of them. Amen? Yeah, I get to spend more time doing it. I have more fun preparing these than anything else. I like teaching them. But I hope you'll do the same when you read the Proverbs and try to extract truth out of them. And that, that means you've got to meditate on them, think about them while you read them. The tongue of the wise useth knowledge aright, but the mouth of fools poureth out foolishness. All right? So here's a, here's a wise person, and he knows how to use knowledge. He uses it the right way. And here's somebody who just mouth is pouring things out. So here's a statement. Wisdom is knowing when to speak and when not to speak about things you know. Use it to knowledge. So this is not, there's other verses we've read already and studied and taught that have to do with you just talking about whatever and running your mouth and, you know, motor mouth and you don't have any idea what you're talking about. But this verse is talking about those who speak about things they do have some knowledge about. 
So here it is. It's a little lengthy, but wisdom is knowing when to speak and when not to speak about things you know. About things you know. Uh, we've re- read other verses and, and commented on this that uh, you, you're not, you shouldn't tell everything you know. Right? shouldn't tell everything you know. And... Um, and one reason is because after you finish, somebody might ask you a question. <laughs> and uh, so here it is. Here's a wise man. And the Bible says that this wise man holds his peace until the right time. He doesn't tell everything he knows. He tells it only when it will help the situation. He uses his knowledge aright. He uses it for the purpose. Uh, not, not so he can show off. Not so he can... You know, uh, look down his nose at somebody or demean somebody because they're ignorant. But he uses uh, his knowledge the right way. He's a wise man because he knows how to use his knowledge. So we, we maybe could condense this even, even more and we could say this. The purpose of knowledge is to help you live wisely. <laughs> now that kind of inverts the verse a little bit, I understand. But I believe we could extract that from this verse. The purpose of knowledge is to help us live wisely. So there's three words in the the book of Proverbs that are are very closely related. Uh, Knowledge, understanding, and wisdom. Knowledge, understanding, wisdom. Say those out loud with me. Knowledge, understanding, and wisdom. So knowledge has to do with gathering truth has to do with gathering truth. And understanding has to do with the comprehension of truth. I mean, understand the difference between knowing a fact and understanding that fact, right? There's some things I know. I don't know how it works, but I just know it works. Amen? I don't understand it. Now, if I was going to try to repair that thing, I would want somebody who understood it, right? I could flip that switch. Or whatever it is. I I have knowledge about some things I don't understand. So knowledge is gathering truth. Understanding is the comprehension of truth. And then wisdom is the application of truth. What good is knowing something if you don't know what to do with it? Wisdom is, is using truth or using knowledge to make good decisions. To help others, to serve others. Wisdom is a taking what we know and applying it. Wisdom is, uh, excuse me, knowledge is no good uh, if you're not doing anything with it. Like it's not what we know how to do is is what we do, <laughs> right? Wisdom is the is the practical part of it. We as Christians, our our goal is just to have a bunch of knowledge. Our goal is to have wisdom, and wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom. The Bible says. Proverbs chapter 4. So wisdom is, is, is knowing uh, 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 what to do, how to do it, and then doing it. Amen? Amen? Look, let's talk about it in church context. What good is it to know how to sing if you don't sing for the glory of God? You're, we are, wisdom is using what you can do. Amen? I mean, if you can teach and you're not teaching, uh, wisdom is, I can do this, let me, let's do it. Amen? Uh, it's using what we know. Uh, maybe you can repair. Maybe you can sew. Maybe you can cook. Maybe you can build. Maybe you can teach. Maybe you can win a soul. The question is not tonight. Do you know how to win a soul? The question is, are you winning souls? <laughs> That's wisdom. He that winneth souls is wise. Not he that knoweth how to win souls is wise. 
Right? The wisdom is in the doing, not in the knowing. And so uh, wisdom is application. Now, look at that phrase again. This wise man useth knowledge aright or uses it the right way. Wise people know how to use knowledge. And, let me say it this way, you know how not to use knowledge. Wise people don't use knowledge as a weapon, as a smear campaign. Here's a question for, for all of us, but especially for the adults. Are you wise enough to handle sensitive information? You know, uh, if you are, the further you go in leadership, whether you're you know, a doctor or whatever your job, the, the, the more responsible we need to be with the knowledge that we have. One of the, one of the things that, that, that th- there is great advantage, advantages to the access of knowledge. And by the way, we're not going to stop it. I'm not trying to fight the information age. The Bible said it's, it's part of the uh, return of Christ. Before he comes back, knowledge will increase exponentially. Those are my words, but that's the Bible truth. The Bible teaches that, that knowledge will increase. And, uh, and it is increasing, right? Uh, but, but one of the disadvantages of that is that that knowledge is exchanged uh, by and large anonymously. And you do things in anonymity that you do, do not do face to face. You will type things, you will say things, you will share things. When you think nobody knows who you are, then you will when you're face to face. And by the way, that's why you ought to be so very careful as to who you... Listen, I've counseled marriages that came that close to busting up. Busting up. And nobody in this room is going to know who I'm talking about, but said my wife is she helping the counseling. That much over communicating on a Scrabble game. Just about lost their marriage. The two people playing Scrabble with each other. And then there's this little chat session. And you say, yes, Scrabble, that's innocent enough. I mean, you think Scrabble's innocent enough. Is that right? But my question is you, why are you talking to anybody else? Men, why would you ever talk to another woman without your wife knowing? Married men. Ladies, why would you be carrying on a conversation with somebody else you're not married to and, 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 and your spouse not know? That's not healthy. By the way, young people... It's not healthy for you to carry on conversations without your parents' knowledge. Well, I'm 20 years old now. Congratulations. Good for you. There is no age you come to where you no longer need accountability. Amen? Amen. No age. No age. All things are naked and open unto the eyes of him with whom we have to do. If you live a transparent life before God, you have to live a transparent life between the people that you love. It blows my mind. Look, if you if you get defensive or somebody picks up your phone, you are already in a bad place, friend. If you get nervous when somebody clicks on your computer or something, you, you're already in a bad place. So, anyway, we as wise and mature Christians ought to be able to handle sensitive information and not... Use it to hurt people. I, I just looked at Brother Billy back here. Uh, came to mind. So, But if you're in law enforcement, 
you're going to know some sensitive information. Uh, he's not going to be a very effective uh, uh, peacekeeper if he blabs everything he's ever seen or known. I promise you, he's got some things he's seen and known. Right? Uh, but maturity and wisdom is being able to use that knowledge in the right way. We should not use our knowledge to impress anyone. Uh, 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 to try to get someone uh, uh, to admire us. Now, I like, listen, I like, I like to learn. I like to expand my vocabulary. I, I, I uh, uh, look up words as I'm reading. I like uh, uh, books that have some words that I've not learned before. I like to learn the definition. I like to add to my vocabulary. But wisdom is not using big words. What was that word you taught last week? <laughs> Circumlocution. Ultra crepit. What was it? Ultra crepitarianism. I learned a new word listening to the Bible study last Wednesday night. Amen. In fact, I know a few ultra crepitarianists. And uh, anyway, uh, if you don't know what that word means, neither do I. Watch the Bible study from last Wednesday. But anyway, he he taught a new word, but it, it fit great with what he's teaching. But he taught the meaning of it. The point is uh, to learn knowledge. Just you can spew out facts to impress anybody is not wise. It's actually foolish. Um, wisdom is profound truth communicated in simple terms. That's what wisdom is. Who was the wisest man that ever lived? Solomon, right? Open your Bible to 1 Kings chapter 4. Keep your finger in Proverbs. And open your Bible to 1 Kings chapter 4. This is the wisest man that ever lived. 1 Kings chapter 4. Do you know that, listen, do you know that some of the wisest people you'll ever meet in your life will be criticized as being simple? When you listen to Lester Roloff preach the Word of God, you are listening to profound truth communicated in simple, plain terms. That's what wisdom is. Some of the smartest people, men I've ever known, uh, uh, brilliant IQs out the roof, readers, vo- voracious readers, speak and preach and teach in the simplest terms. Friend, that's what Jesus did. How many of you think Jesus is pretty smart? What did he do? He told a lot of stories when he preached. He told a lot of stories. About a lost coin, about a lost sheep. Many, many stories. Look what look what's the wisest man ever lived. Look at verse 29. And God gave Solomon wisdom and understanding, exceeding much, and largeness of heart, even as the sand. By the way, that's needed to, to be understanding. You can open your heart up. Even as the sand that is on the seashore. And Solomon's wisdom excelled the wisdom of all the children of the east country and all the wisdom of Egypt. For he was wiser than all men, than Ethan, the Ezraite, and Heman, uh, and uh, uh, Chalcol, and Darda, the sons of Mahal. And his fame was in all nations round about. I don't know what that, maybe that would be like saying uh, Aristotle and Plato and Confucius and so forth. Maybe 
but these were people who were known for their wisdom. Verse 32. And he spake 3,000 proverbs. And his songs were a thousand and five. Wow, 3,000 wise sayings. Oh, I bet that was on the laws of thermodynamics. I bet that was about. Uh, well, let's see what it was about. Uh, he spoke trees. He spoke of trees. From the cedar tree that's in Lebanon, even to the hyssop, uh, herbs that springeth out of the wall. He spake also of beasts, animals. Fowl, birds, creeping things, bugs, and fishes. People came from all over, many, many miles, to hear men sit around and talk about bugs and birds and animals and trees and herbs. Uh, 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 Using knowledge right doesn't mean telling all things you know so people think, oh, he's really smart. No, it's understanding the purpose of knowledge. It's to help other people, to be a blessing to other people, encourage one another. It's not to impress. It's not to manipulate. It's not to strong arm or hold someone hostage or betray someone's confidence. A wise man has knowledge about... You know what? Let me tell you something. I promise you this. You ever see a sincere man of God? Now, if first of all, it, I don't care who you are. You're a man of God or a mom or a dad. You be sure your sin will find you out and that stands true. And if God needs to expose somebody, uh, he exposes them. Amen? But it is also true that our arch enemy is the accuser of the brethren. And he's good at that game. And I'll promise you this. The... the, the, the uh, People of character, people of wisdom, people of God's hand upon them, when they come under attack, many times have information they could use to destroy the very people who attack them. But they don't. But they don't. Um... Uh, God's three deadlines. J. Harold Smith. J. Harold Smith had a man. J. Harold Smith. They, they, they tried to they, uh, 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 slander J. Harold Smith. And he was on a radio station. And they, 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 they called him uh, deceptive. And he had interests. And he was doing something uh, under the table. And somehow dishonest. And, and not a, there wasn't a shred of truth to it. They criticized him. They said they called him a racist. They tried to call him a racist. And uh, a gentleman came, another preacher came in, in a court of law. J. Harold Smith knew the man, <laughs> knew he was dishonest. And that man stood up in court and slandered uh, J. Harold Smith and while he was on the stand, the Spirit of God said to Gerald Smith, this is his biography, he said, I'm going to kill that man for what he's doing right now. When that session was over, J. Harold Smith walked across the aisle and he said to him, 
He said, my brother, the Spirit told me God's going to kill you for what you did in court today. Within five days, that man was in heaven. Now, I'm just saying, wise people who have information also have the discipline to use that information only for good and only to help others. Amen? And that's the exact opposite of finding some little juicy piece about somebody and tick, 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 or tick, 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 or da-da-da-da-da-da. That is hellish. It is set on fire of hell, the Bible says. The Bible says this, uh, this, uh, this uh, the foolish man poureth out foolishness. Knowledge should not be used to take advantage of people. <laughs> uh, maybe you knew about this already, but I didn't know until just the other day. Reading an article, uh, these, uh, this group, calls they call themselves the Kia, K-I-A, the Kia Boys, B-O-Y-Z. And they have posted videos on TikTok. Some of you know them because you're smiling. Posted TikTok and YouTube videos on how to steal uh, Hyundais and Kias. How many of you heard about this? Okay. I'm not saying you're heathen because you know about it. I'm just, I'm just saying you're heathen. No. Uh, but I, I, I hadn't heard it. I saw an article about it. And uh, it, across the nation... Hyundai's and Kia's. In fact, Kia just settled like a two million dollar settlement. The people who's getting their cars stolen. This seems crazy to me. People getting their cars stolen sued Kia because they say, you know, you should have had more safety measures. But these guys got on, made these videos about how to take you could do it something just simple, uh, uh, like a USB cord. And you could steal a car and bypass the ignition and safety stuff. And, 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 and all over the nation, these cars, these certain years that the cars are made, are being stolen all over the nation. One city, this is what the article said, in Milwaukee alone, in 2020, 895 Kias and Hyundais were stolen. When the videos came out, the next year, 7,000. That's one city. Anyway, my point is... Whatever knowledge you have, if you're smart enough to be able to do that, use it for good. Amen. Fools pour out foolishness. Fools have no filter. Give them a little knowledge on the subject and they will use it for harm. If you are given the opportunity of a good education, remember this. Knowledge is not wisdom. If you have the opportunity to learn something, and it's the, uh, one of the great things about the information age is that you can. You can, I bet every mechanic in here, builders too, probably use YouTube on a regular basis to learn how to do something. There's many good uses for it. But if you have knowledge, that does not mean you have wisdom because wisdom is how to use that knowledge, how to apply that knowledge. I thought, I thought about this story. This boy went off to, uh, the, uh, a and T college, and uh, he was uh, uh, in agric- agricultural college, and, he's, and uh, he was learning that semester about farming and so forth, so forth, and and uh, and they had been studying uh, uh, how to grow potatoes and things like that in that semester, and all the you know all the uh, science behind it. And he came home, 
And Granny was at the kitchen sink peeling potatoes. These humongous potatoes. She's over there peeling potatoes. And her grandson walked in and said, Granny, said, we've been learning about potatoes and all, and, and we've been growing some at college. And he said, Granny, how do you get your potatoes so big? She said, I plant them by the moon. He said, oh, he said, oh, Granny, there ain't nothing to that. She says, how's them college taters? <laughs> now, wisdom is what to do. Just because you have knowledge doesn't mean you're wise. And I'm telling you, sometimes people get a little knowledge and they think people have less knowledge and don't know anything. And again, I know uh, many young people are here. Uh, kids, listen to me. The more you grow in knowledge, you ought to take advantage of the opportunities that you have by the grace of God. You have an opportunity to learn and grow unprecedented opportunities in this day and time you live. Take advantage of that by the grace of God. But that does not make you wiser than your mom and dad. It doesn't make you wiser. The best education that you can get is learning how to learn. Learning how to learn. That's the best education you can get. Uh, we, we have a, an extended family member who literally has doctorates, PhDs, has spent the better part of their adult life in education. I'm talking about I'm talking about literally approaching two decades of college. And they're, they're smart. But their personal life is a total disaster. And has been. Uh, wisdom is better than knowledge. Amen? Knowledge is a tool to help others. Look at verse number three. The eyes of the Lord are in every place beholding the evil and the good. Here's simple words. God sees all. God sees all. The eyes of the Lord are in every place beholding the evil and the good. Hey, listen, when we're tempted to do wrong and we think, well, no one will know, there's a God in heaven that's watching us. Amen? There's a God in heaven that's watching us. The eyes of the Lord are in every place. There's no place you can go where God cannot see. And he sees the evil. But here's the other thing. He sees the good too. Amen? He sees the good. You know, sometimes we get discouraged when we're doing good things and we think nobody knows, nobody appreciates it, nobody sees what we're doing. I'm over here slaving away. Here I am. I'm trying to do a good thing. Nobody ever even thanks me. Nobody even acknowledges me. Here I am leaning over the sink. I got a backache. I've been on my feet. And I've been serving my family and serving my kids. And listen, uh, probably all of us at times have felt some degree a bit unappreciated. We just like somebody just to, you know, recognize, hey, thanks for what you do. You know, <laughs> me talk about a little thank you would sure be nice. <laughs> and yet, you know what? There's a God. Amen. And he sees. And he knows. And sometimes we imagine God is, this is the way we imagine God. He's up in heaven and this is all he's doing. He's like, nah, ha, I caught you. Nah, ha, caught you. But you know what he's also doing? He's like, look at that. Oh, that's wonderful. Oh, look at that over there. Isn't that great? God's doing that too. Amen. By the way, that's a reminder for all of us that are in leadership to do the same thing. Amen. Yeah, we ought to spend as much time trying to catch people to do right as we do catching people to do wrong. Amen? That's good. He sees the evil 
and the good. Look at verse 4. A wholesome tongue is a tree of life. But perverseness, that word perverse means to distort. A wholesome, that word wholesome means curative, like medicine. A, a, a medicinal tongue, a curative tongue. A wholesome tongue is a tree of life. But perverseness, distortion therein is a breach in the spirit. A breach is a broken place, like in a wall. If there's a breach in the wall, it's a broken place. It's a weak place in the wall. A wholesome, a curative tongue is a tree of life. But perverseness therein is a breach in the spirit. Here's a question for us. Are our words agents of healing or do our words break the spirit of others? Name calling, innuendos, snide comments, critical remarks, mocking, making fun, talking down, talking about, cursing, vulgarity, taking God's name in vain, shading the truth, lying, speaking disrespectfully, unkind remarks, smart aleck comments. Do you think that you would call that a tree of life? Yay or nay? No, <laughs> they, don't, they don't breathe life into anybody, but they do break people's spirits. I love words that heal. I love words that heal. This is, I hope this is not presumptuous, but I brought this letter because it touched my heart. This letter touched my heart. So it, it's, it's complimentary, but please understand, I'm illustrating something. Here's a man who used his words and he encouraged me. This is from Brother Tom Bish. Open this letter. Uh, yesterday, I guess it was, and um, and he wrote this letter. Brother Bishop is the one. The gentleman gave his life story. Remember that? Lost his leg, lost his wife. He said this, dear brother Shook. I cannot thank you enough for the privilege of being with you and your amazing church family this past Sunday. I can truly say that I felt right at home from the very first moment I stepped foot on the property, including with the Spanish church. I will confess that now that I travel alone. I'm not usually very comfortable in new situations. But the spirit of your family and your church overwhelmed any such feelings for me. Thank you for the wonderful room, the snacks, the gracious meal, the incredible love offering. I can only hope and pray that the messages were used by the Lord in some way as to repay such an abundance of kindness from you. I will add a word of praise that your generosity was used of the Lord to meet some needs in my life. God is always good. I was blessed to see what the Lord is doing in your ministry. I heard a lot about your church over the years, but in the words of the Queen of Sheba, the half was not told me. I will be praying for you on a regular basis, and if there's anything I can do for you in the future, do not hesitate to ask. May the Lord continue to bless you, your family, and your church. We live in an amazing time to serve the Lord. You don't think that encouraged me? Glory to God. That's sweet, isn't it? Man, I got emotional at my desk. Amen. I had a little hallelujah time right there. Uh, what a wonderful thing. Well, we need to do a lot more of that, don't we? Amen. I love words that heal. I love words that heal. I love it. Uh, I, I, I love when someone says, Preacher, thank you. Never gave up on me. I love to hear that. I want to be that person. Words that heal. I love you. I love you. I'm pulling for you. I like that one. I'm pulling for you. Sweet words have spoken sincerely. I'm praying for you. I admire you. I'm so proud of you. You're such a blessing. Hey, you've got this. 
You're the best. Man, that's nothing to fret about. I've done that a million times myself. Uh, <laughs> we have an insurance claim in the Spanish department. <clears throat> and uh, uh, one of the men uh, filled up the baptistry and filled it up, filled it up, filled it up till 7 o'clock the next morning. And it soaked the platform, and it's just so, anyway, we're getting new carpet in this baby's auditorium. And he said, I can't be too upset, because I remember this Sunday, the Saturday night I came in here several years ago. About 11 o'clock, turned the baptistry on. It wasn't on. And uh, I thought, well, we'll be all right, the overflow, you know. And about 7 o'clock in the morning, I got a call Sunday morning. Pastor, the platform is soaked. The first two rows, all the way back, the first two rows. Isn't that a beautiful new platform? Amen. We've been paying for it with our insurance rates for the last eight years. And uh, anyway, <laughs> but, you know, uh, I, I quickly, I quickly said to to uh, to uh, some of the men in the Spanish department, I said, well, don't be too bad. Don't be too hard on brother so-and-so because you're going to have to be hard on me too. How many ever did something foolish? Amen. <laughs> Come on, help me out now. Come on. I just bore my soul. Anyway, but... Uh, but you know, uh, hey, that, man, come on! I've I've done dumb things before. I, I find that encourages me sometimes. How about this? And I know you're going to land on your feet. Hey, we're going to get through this. That's a good thing to say. Job, let me help you out. Job gets in trouble a lot. Uh, Job gets in trouble, and I got to talk to him. I got to deal with him. And I say, I, one of the things I want to say before it's over with. Hey, man, we're going to get through this. Did you hear what I said? We are going to get through this. Amen? Amen. We're going to get through this. I don't like to have to deal with things, but I found this. Some of the sweetest things ever in ministry that I've ever dealt with at church side, school side, is having to deal with something, but dealing with it in a loving, kind manner. And it's received well. And you talk about knitting hearts together. And it's a bad thing that it had to happen because it was something obviously had to be dealt with, had to be addressed. But when it's received well, and by the way, if somebody is willing to love you enough to come and say, hey, look, you know, and correct you, you ought to rejoice in your soul. Amen. Amen. And, and when it's received in humility, it can be one, it can breathe life into somebody. Amen. And let them know one of the things I want to say, hey, we're in this together. And we're going to get through this. Amen? It's not you over there and me over here. and No, it's we're in this together. Amen? And we are, Job. We're going to get through it. And uh, praise the Lord. Amen. Let's look uh, 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 at this talk here. Uh, Philippians 1, 6. Being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. I love this little phrase, I believe in you. Those are curative words. Those are medicinal words. I believe in you. I believe in you. Wholesome words are curative words. Now, they're not always sweet. They're not always sweet. Just I was illustrating just a moment ago right there. Sometimes they have to be pointed. Sometimes they have to be sharp even. But they're meant to help. They're curative. Correction in a wholesome tongue seeks not to hurt, but to help, to build. Uh, uh, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, of building up that it may minister grace to the hearer. Look, listen. 
You want to make this practical? You want to make this practical? Make, a, make yourself a little note. Make a mental note. Make a written note. Stick it somewhere in a prominent place with this question. Did that really help the situation? Put that down somewhere. You deal with something. You get done with it. Ask yourself, did that really help the situation? The way I just handled that. Well, somebody had that. Okay, yes. And you maybe you did what you needed to do. <laughs> but the question that follows is this. Did, 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 did that really help the situation? The way I just handled that, did that really help the situation? My pastor told me years and years ago, he said the greatest mistake that pastors make is mishandling people. He said it's the greatest mistake pastors make. And that resonated with me. And I know, I know because I have mishandled some situations. One time, one time. Actually, I, I thought I'd one time, but I, I, did, I was mistaken. Anyway, but nonetheless, that was funny. But it's true. It's true. I felt that. You ever felt that? I remember one time calling Dr. Bob, uh, Dr. Bob Gray, and I had preached hard. And I was I second-guessed myself. And I, I said, you know, and I, call, I said, let me, let me ask an older, wiser man. I, said, I called Dr. Gray. I said, Brother Gray, Oh, he's a, he preaches hard. He preaches hard. And I said, Brother Gray, I said, how do you know when you preach too hard? He said, by the dead bodies laying around. <laughs> Thank you, sir. <laughs> uh, in other words, there's not much you can do about it after that. But anyway, but we ought to ask ourselves that, that question. Let me give you one more. All right? Let's look at verse 5. A fool despiseth his father's instruction. But he that regardeth reproof is prudent. Prudence, again, has to do with looking ahead, thinking about the future and, and, and applying uh, knowledge or wisdom to, to decisions that will affect your future. A fool despiseth his father's instruction, but he that regardeth, who pays attention to, who listens to, who receives, who regardeth reproof is prudent. Here's a simple statement. <clears throat> A fool can be identified by his attitude toward instruction. A fool can be identified by his attitude toward instruction. The word despise means to scorn, to criticize. Instruction is chastisement. It's it's, uh, uh, punishment. And reproof is verbal correction. So again, the question. There's some things we visit in Proverbs more than a few times. And this is one of them, isn't it? What's our attitude toward correction? What's our attitude toward discipline? You know, I've had to apologize before for unjust correction. By the way, few things will raise your leader's opinion of you like taking unjust correction with grace. I'm not going to take any testimonies. Most everybody that's been in the workplace for more than a few years has at some time or another had somebody get on your case and, and it's not really justified. Maybe you maybe you, you weren't the one directly the cause of whatever the issue was, but somebody under the pressure came in and laid the heat on you and the wise man in Ecclesiastes, he addressed that very thing and he said, if the spirit of the ruler rise up against thee, leave not thy place for yielding pacifieth great offenses. I remember calling a guy and, uh, and saying, hey man, how's your, job? How's, your, how's your job going? He said, not good. I said, oh really? 
He said, yeah. He said, I got mad at my boss. When? Uh, a couple of days ago. I said, really? Because he, he got on my case. And it wasn't my fault. And I said, I don't have to take this. And I got in my truck and I pulled away. He said, I wasn't even home. And I was thinking, what a dummy I am. And he said, I don't have a job now. <laughs> now let me tell you something. Uh, even if it's unjust, a wise person is someone who can take correction. Even heavy-handed, unjust criticism can yield a degree of wisdom for those who aren't too proud to take it. Uh, I'll tell you two stories and I'll be done. I led a man to Christ on the plane about a month ago. And uh, he's in manufacturing. He's about, about to, he's uh, retired military. And he's in manufacturing. And, uh, and uh, in, uh, he was a medic in, in the military. And patched a bunch of people up on the, on the, uh, on the battlefield and so forth. And has a manufacturing and uh, and uh, and travels a lot, and uh, and I got talking to him one thing or another. And he told me the story. He said, you know, he said, uh, I don't know how we got on it. We got kind of uh, horror stories. <laughs> we got on that. And uh, he said, this this young man. He said, you, you're two weeks in training. You're in training two weeks. You're in the classroom, and about a week of that is all safety stuff. He said he walked out on the floor for the very first time. And about an hour after he walked out on the floor, signs everywhere. Do not lean on the conveyor belt. Big signs, big bold colors. Do not lean on the conveyor belt. He got out of training and about an hour later had his finger ripped off. Why? Leaning on the conveyor belt. And he said, man, why did you do that? He goes, I don't know. I don't know why I did. <laughs> you know, the wise man will hear and increase in knowledge. But a fool can't stand anybody giving him instructions. Those instructions might save your life. Well, our man told me this. I didn't ask permission to tell it, but I'll use it without names. Maybe it's okay to tell, but I didn't get permission first. But one of our men that's in business told me this story. Two weeks ago. And uh, they were working on a machine and had worked on a machine and they were getting ready to turn the machine on. And there's a motor and the moment you hit that button, that thing is at 2,500 RPMs. I mean, there's an electric motor, you hit the button, it's, I mean, that fast. And if you are in the vicinity of that, it's just, you're in shreds, Literally. And so, the boss man said, okay, everybody stand back. Stand right there. There's another crew over here that were, were with them and doing some work. And he said, hey, uh, it's going to get ready to get loud in here. We're getting ready to turn the machine on. Uh, I want you guys to know, talk to all these guys on his crew. Everybody step back. Everybody behind this, whatever is right here. It's behind this line or whatever it was. Everybody right here. All right, you guys over there, here we go. You ready? And he took his hands, a touch screen, he took his finger and touched the button on his screen. And as he did, he looked up to see one of his employees leaned over with his hands on the machine, literally with pulled him in, killed him almost instantly. He set his finger on the button and he pulled his hand back. He said, Preacher, I touched the button and nothing happened. 
He said, I screamed, I yelled. And the man stopped and, and he said, what are you doing? He said, I don't know what I'm doing. He said, it took us about 30 minutes to get our composure. And he said, 30 minutes later, he said, I said go out, you're done for the day. <laughs> and he said, it took about... I don't know, 15 minutes something. It was a considerable amount of time just to get my composure back. He said, I went back to the same touch screen, touched the button. <laughs> Immediately. That machine wide open. And he said, that was a miracle of God. God spared a man. Amen. But you know what? Uh, young people, all of us, everybody, young people, big people, but young people especially, uh, if you ever get to the place, you're like, I can't stand people telling me, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. You might pay for that with your life one day. Amen. All right. Don't you love the Bible? I love the Bible. I'm going to pray, and then we're going to have a baptism. So uh, I'll tell you what I'm going to do.